Welcome to topic 6.2, state expansion uh, in consequences of industrialism. This is basically how empires in different countries expanded during this time. It's really long, so let's go. The essential question was, by what process did state power shift in various parts of the world between 1750 and 1900? King Leopold of Belgium wanted the Belgian government to conquer colonies in a large area of Central Africa, the Congo Basin. The government did not want to take this task on, so Leopold established a private colony for himself. However, the Belgian parliament found the king's rule so abusive that in 1908, it took control of the region away from him. Similarly, the Dutch government revoked the charter of the Dutch East India Company for abusing its powers, uh, power to make treaties, build forts, and maintain armed forces in Southeast Asia. While these unusual shifts of power were taking place, other European governments, as well as the United States, Russia, and Japan, continued territorial expansion through conquest and settlement. All right, let's start in Africa, imperialism in Africa. Europe had a long-standing relationship with Africa because of the slave trade. Although most European countries had declared the import, or importation of Africans as slave labor illegal by the early 1800s, Europeans continued to export guns, alcohol, and other manufactured goods to Africa and import African natural resources such as palm oil, gold, and ivory. England desired palm oil in particular because it kept the machinery in its textile factories from becoming rusty. In the last part of the 19th century, European taste for African diamonds and ivory kept European empires thriving throughout the African continent. Expanding beyond trading posts. Remember, that's what they had originally. For the most part, for most of the 1800s, European presence in Africa was restricted to trading posts, with a few exceptions. The French seized Algeria in 1830, declaring they wanted to prevent pirate attacks. Dutch immigrants had lived in South Africa since the 1600s, and British colonists became more numerous starting in the early 1800s. In the second half of the 1800s, European nations began uh, nations expanded their presence in Africa with the help of better military technology because of the Industrial Revolution. For example, discovery of quinine, a medicine that treats the tropical disease malaria, reduced the danger of living in warm, humid regions. The steamship assisted the early trips of individual explorers and business owners. British imperialism in Africa. Europeans had long dreamed of dramatically shortening the water route to Asia by building a canal connecting the Red Sea with the Mediterranean Sea. A hundred mile long canal would save a trip around the entire continent of Africa. The feat was finally accomplished in 1869 when the Suez Canal was completed. A French company managed the project, but most of the labor was performed by as many as 1.5 million Egyptians. Most of this was coerced or forced labor, unpaid workers who were forced to work on the project as a form of taxation. Thousands died in the course of 10 years. When unrest in the region threatened British commercial interests and the operation of the canal in 1882, the British seized control of, the, of uh, Egypt away from the Ottoman Empire. In other words, they just took it. Great Britain established several colonies in West Africa before the mid-19th centuries. In these colonies, Britain spread Western education, the English language, and Christianity. These colonies included Sierra Leone, which was a home for freed slaves, Gambia, Laos, and Ghana. Uh, let's see. Uh, much of this conquering was done by signing treaties with African rulers, where Africans believed they were protecting their independence and trading rights. However, 
as European competition increased for control of African lands, the treaties came to be meaningless and warfare was inevitable. It was the inevitable result as Africans resisted takeover, but met with overpowering military strength. French imperialism in Africa. The French drove the Ottomans out of Algeria in 1830. By 1870, Algeria had become a settler colony, attracting Spanish, Italian, as well as French immigrants. In the 1870s, the French also established trading posts in um, uh, Guyana, Guinea, in Guinea, the Ivory Coast, and Niger to compete with West African colonies. The European scramble for Africa. Tensions mounted among industrialized European nations as they competed for natural resources in Africa. Leaders feared that the scramble for Africa, the competing efforts of Europeans to colonize Africa, would lead to war. Unlike many German leaders who had imperial ambitions, Otto von Bismarck, the leader of Germany, had little interest in colonies. However, he did want to keep peace in Europe. So in 1884 through 1885, he hosted the Berlin Conference, a meeting of European powers to provide for the orderly colonization of Africa. No Africans were invited to the conference. European powers peace, peaceably agreed to colonial boundaries and to the free movement of goods on Africa's major rivers, such as the Niger River and the Congo River. On most of the continent, Europeans established colonial borders that were merely artificial lines that meant little to the people who live within them. These borders divided long unified societies into different colonies and united longtime rival groups into the same colonies. When these colonies became independent states in the later 20th century, these borders became the cause of extensive warfare by making national unity very difficult. South Africa and the Boer Wars. During the Napoleonic Wars, the British replaced the Dutch in the Cape Colony in the southern tip of Africa, South Africa. The British introduced the use of English, but allowed people to use the Dutch language as well. Many of the Dutch-speaking Afrikaners, the white descendants of 17th century Dutch settlers, moved east of the Cape Colony, where they came into conflict with indigenous groups, including the Zulus, with whom they fought several wars. Throughout the 19th century, the British and Afrikaners continued to fight over land. This conflict came to a boil in the Boer Wars of 1880 and 81 and 1899 through 1902. These conflicts were bloody and brutal. In the end, the British army drove the Afrikaners and the Africans from their lands. By the end of the Boer Wars, the British had absorbed the settler colonies of British and Afrikaner peoples and the black Africans in the southern tip of Africa into its empire. Millions of Afrikaner and black African farmers have been displaced onto poor land, making it hard for them to earn a decent living. The Congo. By 1875, Western European nations were poised to penetrate Africa's interior. King Leopold, mentioned earlier, of Belgium, oversaw the invasion and conquering of the Congo in Central Africa in order to persuade the Belgian government to support colonial expansion. Unlike other European state expansion rulers, King Leopold owned the colony personally, using colonial officials against the indigenous Congolese. Visitors to the colony reported on the brutal conditions for the laborers who were forced to harvest ivory and rubber. For example, Leopold's agents severed the hands, cut off the hands of Congolese workers in order to terrorize others into submission. Workers who did not meet production levels were beaten or killed, while others were worked to death. Although the term slavery was not commonly used when describing imperial activities, laborers in the Congo often received no payment for their backbreaking work, and their spouses were held captive 
so that the workers would not run away. As many as 8 million people perished under King Leopold's reign of terror in the Congo. In 1908, Belgium took over control of the Congo as a regular colony and conditions improved. Independent countries. By 1900, the only African countries unclaimed by Europeans were Abyssinia, modern-day Ethiopia, and Liberia, a country founded by former enslaved people from the United States. Italy attempted to conquer Ethiopia in 1895, but the native forces were too strong for the Italians. Okay, let's move to South Asia. Imperialism in South Asia. Portugal, France, and England competed for control of India's spices, gems, and trade with regions to the east. Portugal established a coastal trading port on the southwestern coast in Goa in this early 16th century. However, it never extended its control inland. France established trading ports in the 17th century. However, it's lost to Britain in the global conflict known as the Seven Years' War, the French and Indian War, drove the French out of India. England's East India Company, also known as the EIC, steadily controlled more land of the weak Mughal Empire. They were the ones who controlled India. At first, the EIC's small forces of British soldiers protected the firm's employees. As the British crept into India's interior, they began recruiting native Indian soldiers, called sepoys, to join the British colonial army. However, as explained in the next topic, the sepoys ignited an unsuccessful successful rebellion against the British in 1857. So we'll talk more about that. Let's go to imperialism in East Asia. China did not experience imperialism in the same way that South Asia or Africa did. It maintained its own government throughout a period of European economic domination. As a result of superior military strength, European nations carved out spheres of influence within China over which they had exclusive trading rights and access, access to natural resources. Internal problems within the Qing, dynasty, Qing government made it easier for foreign countries to dominate the economic affairs of China. Really quick, spheres of influence just means you get to trade exclusively with, um, with a certain country, in this case, China. Two examples of internal issues in the Qing dynasty were the Taiping and Boxer Rebellions. During the Taiping Rebellion, which began in 1850 through 1864, peasants, workers, and miners attempted to overthrow the Qing dynasty. Along with the Taiping Rebellion, China had, drought, had a drought, massive floods, famine, and an outbreak of the plague. All this led to the death of about 20 million Chinese. Between 1899 and 1901, an anti-imperialist group called the Boxers, named because of their members because many of their members practiced martial arts. They, uh, they were attacking Chinese Christians and Western uh, missionaries. The Empress Dowager Cixi encouraged the Boxers and in 1900 ordered that all foreigners be killed, which is xenophobia. However, the Boxer Rebellion failed miserably. The end was near for the Qing Dynasty. More importantly, foreign influences dominated China during this time period. You can figure out the time is near uh, the end for them because the peasants keep rebelling. Okay, think of the dynastic cycle. Let's move to Japan. Industrialized countries outside of Europe also desire colonies. Japan had isolated in the 1600s. In 1853, U.S. Commodore Matthew Perry came to Japan in large warships to secure a treaty that opened Japanese ports to trade. In the following decade, Japan overthrew its traditional government in an uprising called the Meiji Restoration and began to industrialize rapidly, hoping that it could become strong enough to protect its culture. An island nation with few natural resources and little land for agriculture, Japan sought lands and natural resources to power its industrial revolution. Japan set up an empire in East Asia that included parts of China, Korea, 
Southeast Asia and Pacific Islands that lasted from the 1890s until the end of World War II in 1945. Let's go to Southeast Asia. Whew. Portugal and Spain originally controlled European trade with Southeast Asia. After 1600, the power shifted and the English and the Dutch supplanted them. The Dutch in Southeast Asia. Dutch imperialism in Southeast Asia began with a private company just as English imperialism in South Asia had. South Asia being India. In 1641, the Dutch seized control of the Spice Islands, which is now part of Indo Indonesia, so-called because they produced spices such as cloves and nutmeg that were in great demand in Europe. The Dutch East India Company, also known as the VOC, took over the spice trade from the Portuguese, setting up several trading posts in the area. Although the trade was very profitable for the VOC, corruption caused the company to go bankrupt in 1800. Once the VOC folded, the Dutch government itself took control of the Dutch East Indies. By the mid-19th century, the islands were producing cash crops to support the Dutch economy. Plantations produced rubber, tea, rubber, and sugar for export purposes, a situation that limited rice cultivation and eventually created enormous hardship for the Indonesian farmers who relied on rice to survive. The French, they also wanted an imperial presence in Asia. After defeated China in the Sino-French War of 1883-85, through 85, France gained control of northern Vietnam. By the 1890s, France controlled Cambodia, Laos, and, uh, and all of modern-day Vietnam. Together, these nations became known as French Indochina. French motives for imperialism were like those of the Dutch, a desire for cash crops, especially rice. The British in Southeast Asia. British influence in Southeast Asia saw the East India Company establish the port of Singapore in 1824. Eventually, the British controlled all of the Malay Peninsula, Burma, and northern Borneo. British investors were originally attracted by the region's mineral wealth, especially in tin and gold. In addition, Britain promoted the planting of cash crops such as pepper, tobacco, palm oil, and rubber. Australia and New Zealand. After a loss, uh, after the loss of its American colonies, Britain began to consider the possibility of establishing various kinds of settlements in Australia. Finally decided to locate a penal colony there. That means prison colony. In 1788, the first convicts, along with some free settlers, arrived in Australia. And by the 1820s, Britain took control of the entire continent. For decades, the chief economic activity of the colony was to house convicts. The discovery that Australia was well-suited to producing fine wool provided a new industry. And in the 1830s, a larger number of free settlers began to arrive. The discovery of copper in 1842 and gold in 1851 helped spur growth. When Britain added their settler colony of New Zealand in 1839, signing a treaty guaranteeing the rights of the original Maori inhabitants would be protected by the British crown, giving the Maori a, Maori a separate colony. Nevertheless, open war broke out as European settlers encroached on Maori lands. The European military strength defeated the Maori. U.S. in Latin America and the Pacific. Expansion on land. During the 19th century, the U.S. continued taking land from indigenous peoples, as Europeans had done since Columbus had arrived. White Americans believed they had a manifest destiny, a natural and inevitable right to expand to the Pacific Ocean. Native Americans faced forced relocations onto reservations. So many Native Americans died from exposure, malnutrition, disease, and exhaustion that this forced migration became known as the Trail of Tears. In the Mexican-American War, of 1845 through 48, the United States gained vast territories in the southwest from Mexico. The United States bought Alaska from Russia in 1867, and two years later, in 1869, 
The completion of the transcontinental railway spurred development of the American West as white settlers moved westward to take advantage of offers of free land. Uh, expansion overseas, the United States turned its focus towards uh, lands overseas. The U.S. was not a global power for most of the 19th century. The Second Industrial Revolution brought newfound prosperity to the young republic. Economic considerations, as well as feelings of nationalism and cultural superiority, drove Americans' desire for territorial conquest. A group of American planters overthrew Hawaii's constitutional monarch, monarchy in 1895, but the island did not become a U.S. territory until 1900. In the meantime, the U.S. victory over the Spanish uh, victory in the Spanish-American War in 1898 brought Guam, Cuba, Puerto Rico, and the Philippines under U.S. control. President Theodore Roosevelt, a supporter of social Darwinism, was especially eager to expand U.S. influence throughout the Western Hemisphere. And let's finish with Russia. Empress Catherine II, known as Catherine the Great, set out to expand the Russian Empire in all directions during her reign of 1762 through 1796 annexing about a half of Poland as well as territory won from the Ottoman Empire. Her grandson, Alexander I, annexed Finland, Moldova, Georgia, Azerbaijan, and part of Armenia during his reign of 1815 through 25. In North America, Russia controlled much of Alaska and from 1811 through 1839, settled Fort Ross in California. Finally, in Asia, Russia also succeeded in annexing or adding lands from China, most notably a large portion of Manchuria. Quickly, that's not the same Alexander, by the way. All right, that's a long one.